Welcome back, diary listeners. Up next in our Phoenix story is The Ash, part two of our time with Sabrina Mati. Enjoy, diary listeners. Welcome to the Apprenticeship Diaries, where raw meets refined. Let's be real, we're still working on refined. <laughs> what it took, what it takes, and the stories that are made. Join us as we learn from professionals about how their stories begin. like about uh so far because you were explaining how like it's so interesting to have all artists in one space Mm -hmm. and it's so odd to see like how they all function and how they have their own spaces their own clients and everything uh I always talk about how like art is an extension of ourselves Mm -hmm. so literally everything that like you either you produce or you attract it's like all an extension of yourself so as I I like to observe a lot I'm a very like I, just observing is so fun for me. So I like to observe an artist and how they are like with their own little ways of how they, you know, um, whether tattoo or whatever. Um, let's, let's go in the realm of the tattoo shops. Uh, and I like to see what kind of clients they bring in mm-hmm. and how those clients mirror their energy. Mm-hmm. And then also the shop vibes as well. Like the one there's the very first shop that I've ever went to. Um, the one artist that I went to was fine, but when I saw all the shop, the artists together in one room, very off vibes. As soon as I stepped in, uh, it, you just feel like you're not wanted there. Um, they're, they don't even say hi to you. They're very like to themselves and everything. And I was just like, Ugh. and then uh, I later down the line, I just heard a ton of drama about that shop uh, because just the people themselves were just not very happy people. They were very like, uh, always at it with each other and everything. And they got a lot of like clients every now and then that would like, you know, bomb some drama on them as well. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, but look how you're carrying yourself as an artist and as a professional as well. Like, it's no wonder that you're getting these angry clients that are screwing Mm -hmm. you over so bad. It's because you're like, that's what you carry as an energy. And I've noticed with myself so far, uh, I, I don't know if it's because I seek to, I seek out human connection and because I'm so into mental health, but so far, um, I'm, whenever I work with someone, they release a lot of their traumas. It's like they talk about their, all of their traumas in their life and their childhood and everything. And I'm like, Oh dear, this is a lot. And I know there's a whole, like, I've heard so many times that like, uh, hairstylists, tattoo artists, like they're all therapists at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Um, and I started seeing it and I started accepting it. And I was like, well, yeah, this is like a mirror of my energy because this is what I seek to connect with and heal. Mm-hmm. All I want to do is like help people be aware of their traumas in the world and uh, like find, like be a healing artist for them, like a healing experience for them. Mm-hmm. And maybe something that like I say, or something that I invoke in the conversation can carry with them on the rest for the rest of their lives somehow, or even their energy, like energy work with their body. Because mm-hmm. you're really interacting with their energy field when you're tattooing yeah. on uh, their skin. Yeah. So, um, and uh, I've seen how other people work too um, on that kind of vibe. And everybody handles it differently. Uh, like I've seen people kind of like 
detach themselves uh, kind of in not, in a not, not so caring way where they'll listen to the traumas, but they won't say much or they'll, I don't know. It's, it's weird make fun or poke. not make fun. It's just like, they're just okay. not, I don't know. They just, you can tell that they just want to not connect with a person. Yeah. You know, like the person's there to connect and have a good time. And then, but they're just like not there or something, or you get the completely like silent artists. Like I've uh, like the person that tattooed my neck completely silent. He put in his uh, earbuds and worked on me and everything. And I was just like, okay, I mean, that's fine. You know, Uh, (laughs) whatever helps you get the job done. It doesn't matter. I'm not picky, Um, but it's just very interesting to see that there's the, you know, uh, uh, the shop that I worked uh, that I'm going to be working at as well. One of the artists there, he said, uh, he was like, I don't even want to like tattoo people like that who, or get tattooed by people like that who don't want to talk. He's like, I just don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that vibe. It's weird. Yeah. And I was like, well, that's a preference, you know? Yeah. No, <laughs> totally. I, um, it, it is a preference thing. Uh, like one of the girls that I, um, used to work with, they, she did predominantly like Japanese, um, brushwork tattoo. And, um, a lot of her clients, they put on a really nice soundtrack or something like that. And they would bring the lights down really low because most of the work that she did was black and gray for the most part, and not a lot of color. So she didn't have to like really see a lot of the color work that she would do. She just had to like know where all her caps were and stuff. And she put a light just on the the place itself and they really wouldn't talk. Um, they would just listen to the music. And, and um, I felt like that was a really kind of cool way to go about it because I think it allowed people to kind of relax into the, the, the pain of it and kind of find like a nice Zen place with it and um, kind of, help help this rhythm almost like that runner's high that you get into where you're just kind of like feeling everything because I've I've come across a couple people now that um have what do they, what do they call it um basically they they can't when they're trying to listen to me the only way I can describe it is and this might not work for you because you're you're more straight edge but it, it reminds me of what I feel like when I'm on mushrooms when I'm on psychedelics I can't listen to people like I, when I want to listen to them, I'm looking at their face, I'm looking at what they're saying, but all I'm hearing is like a, a like a gerbil. Like it's not able to go into my brain. Like so when you're getting tatted or when you're tattooing, when, when they're getting tattooed, they can't talk to me. So they can, they can, they can try to listen, but as long as I'm only talking at them, but they really can't respond. So anything that where it might be like a dialogue of back and forth, they can't do because yeah. all they, they pretty much have like a sensory um, limitation where they, they can only feel so much. And when they're, they're feeling pain, it's just like this, this, like, like everything else is kind of shut out and they can't hear anything else and they can't respond to anything else. And so they, they feel guilty for like not being able to have a conversation. So it causes them added anxiety for me to be talking to them. And they're like, dude, I can't like, I can't respond to you right now. Like this is way too much. So the, for those clients, it's really good to like have a soundtrack or, or have a lot of them listen to books on tape um, that are familiar to them or music that's familiar to them or something that makes them just feel calm and in a rhythm. Um, those, those sessions are harder for me because I, I really like to connect with people. So, um, 
it's, it's a little, it's a little hard for, I almost wish that I, I did smoke pot with those particular ones because that's when I like walk, like I go into things and I'm just like, you know, tunnel vision. I, I don't look up. I don't talk. I don't do anything. I'm just like, re, you know, act, react, act, react, you know, like it's, it's just yeah. like that. But when I'm typically with people, I try to, I try to, you know, have that back and forth dialogue. It works for most people. Most people, I feel like they, they want to talk and my consultations are pretty comprehensive is that you're going to be talking a lot when, yeah. I, you know, cause I kind of hack your, your ideas and stuff. And we, I, we talk for like an hour and a half minimal with most of my consultations. So I really want to dive deep into who the person is and stuff and, and for them to kind of feel me and see me, but yeah, like it's, it's, um, it's cool. You're going to have, you're going to have a great experience. I already knew it. Like as soon as I saw your artwork, I was like, well, she's, this is going to be like awesome. Like super cakewalk. I'm excited to see what it will, will morph into. Um, like what you will be, what what will be the (laughs) Serena Mati of, of the tattoo world? Because I was going to ask you like what you gravitate more to is towards style, but, um, I, I see so much potential in your work to just be its own thing. Honestly. I, yeah. So I've actually been, uh, I've, I've been asking the shop owners too, or whatever, uh, like how they are with their apprentices, because since I've had to be told so much in animation, like, you know, I've had to do a very specific style or do something their way all the time. Like I've learned more and more what I want to do with my own art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I've asked like, do you force, uh, your apprentices to, uh, do color? Like if they want to be a strictly like black and gray artist. Mm-hmm. And um, so far I've gotten like, no, they don't force that. Cause if they know what kind of artist they want to be, like they'll just strengthen those skills. Right. Um, I'm probably going to learn just a little bit of color just to know how to do it because it's always good to just have in your, you know, like, cause you, if somebody does want a little bit of color, like an accent, I want to make sure it's done properly. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I'll yeah. be like, crap, I don't have to do color. But I would like to do strictly like black work or black and gray. Gotcha. Um, I'm a huge fan of the pieces that are a lot of line art and a lot of like stippling, mm-hmm. like the stipple like shading. Uh, pretty much like, like what you see, like what I'm wearing around yeah. my like, you know, like I like the, the stylized, I don't like realism because mm-hmm. I just, one, I'm not, I'm, I've never really practiced realism too much and it's never been something that I like desired to practice. It's cool. Right. Um, I used to draw like that when I was little, but I was like, eh, like when you learn cartoons and everything, you like to mesh up something into your own style. So I like, I, everybody's keeps saying that I have this illustrative style. So I like to just, uh, a lot of my stuff is a lot of lines. Mm-hmm. And if there's shading, I like bold, I like contrast. I love yeah. high contrast. And if there's shading, I would love to do the little stipple work. I have been saving a lot of artists, uh, on my Instagram, uh, a lot of their works that like kind of almost are similar to my style. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm trying to like, look at um, tattoos that like, Oh, I can see my style translating well uh, this way. Mm-hmm. So like little details here and there. So I've been saving like a backlog of my favorite artists on social media and like thinking, okay, this is what kind of artist I can imagine myself. Like just the other day I found a German artist, uh, her work is just like everything that I want to do. She does a lot of uh, animals. Mm-hmm. 
uh, mostly animals and creatures, kind of like Natalie. Uh, Natalie just strictly animals and, and creatures. She doesn't ever, she actually says no to other things. Oh, and it's yeah. usually her, it's her style. But she's right. established herself to this, yeah. like to that level. And yeah. uh, she's, I've seen her work on people here and there. Like even in my industry, I've seen people like wear her work in my industry. I'm like, oh, she's, she's well known around these parts, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I kind of want to get to that degree where, of course, I'm not going to say no to the stuff in the beginning with the whole like walk-in style tattoos. Mm-hmm. Cause I've already been getting those types of tattoos. People yeah. are like, Oh, can you do the scripts for me? Can you do this flower for me? Like with this date on it and everything. I'm like, that's, that's fine. It's I'm learning, yeah. you know, cause this is how you get the technical aspect. So mm-hmm. I'm right now backlogging like what I need to take the components of these little tattoos, line art, like the line work. I want to perfect my line work and the packing of the blacks for those bold um, areas mm-hmm. and uh, how to attack the the shading and everything. I'm trying to learn all that. So then that way, eventually I can like eventually transition my style onto skin. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so. curious because um, the you know, in the, in the tattoo world, they're, they're so like, there's so many different like thoughts about it, but did you find that you, um, I guess, how did you, how do I want to frame this? There's stigma about teaching yourself tattooing or getting into tattooing without a mentor and things like that. Did you run into any of those hurdles with the tattoo artists that you approached with getting an apprenticeship or was that not an issue just because they knew you? Or they knew so, that you were, yeah. The one that I worked with on Disenchantment, he was super encouraging. He was like, you don't really need to, uh, to apprentice at a shop. Like he even offered his time. He was like, if you just come to my shop uh, and I'll just teach you like, you know, and then you'll, you'll be fine. It's gonna, not going to be too much. Right. And, uh, but he knew me and he knew my skills and he's seen, like, he's seen my artwork and everything. Yeah. And then also him, him as a, an animator, like he mm-hmm. knew the, cause we have similar kind of like, uh, technical brains, mm-hmm. um, translating from one to the other. So he was kind of speaking from his perspective, Natalie, when I spoke to her, she told me about her experiences, how she excelled. Um, cause she also was, I think, was she a CalArts student? I think she was a CalArts student. So she went through the like fancy part of animation right. that route. And when she got into tattooing, she actually told me stories about how her mentors were trying to hold her back because she was excelling really quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess they didn't like, she sensed that they didn't like that. And they were trying to like, tell her, no, you, you do this. You can't charge this much. And she like eventually flew the coop from her mentors and she got completely different feedback from other shops like that right. she worked at that were like, no, nah, dude, like you're, you're good, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, just recently a girl, the girl that did uh, all these little clouds that I have on my oh, uh, in between. Uh-huh. She apprenticed. Yeah. She apprenticed at a, um, a really well-known shop out here, I guess that has like, really high-end artists uh Uh was it called like md studios or something like that i don't know it's like a famous shop or something out in california or i don't know and she was telling me about she's young too she's younger than me she's like in her early 20s okay and that was the first thing that she did uh out of high school and she was telling me about how 
she was definitely taken advantage of uh, a lot uh, being like one of the only female apprentices. Mm -hmm. And um, I kind of got a sense where like when I was talking to her and asking for advice, like I noticed the people who, who suffered the most in apprenticeships that were abused the most, Mm -hmm. they have this, like, you gotta, like, you gotta work and earn it. You gotta like, you know, they have that very, like, no, you got to go through the ropes that I went to in order right. to like, they don't say it, but you could feel it. Right. Uh, and it's usually the people like that who barely even know me as a person um, right. or as a, or as an artist. Uh, and I like to like carp, like I like to take in what they say, but then I also like to think like, just because in my own life, what I've had to live through in general with anything, nothing is just one way. Yeah. You don't have to do this, 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 this to get what you, where you want to be. Everything is very different and very fluid. Uh, I don't want to come into this realm uh, with an ego either. Like I've been telling these shops, I'm like, I'm here to learn. <laughs> I admire all of you, you know, like you sound nothing but sh- excitement. <laughs> like that's yeah, what it sounds and like. And I hope that's what they get from me because like, I don't want to like, cause I, in that Facebook forum, when I was asking for like advice, uh, there was a post that I posted, um, on, I think it was another, uh, uh, group, Facebook group. It was called tattoos and apprentices or something. Cause there's a multiple ones on mm-hmm. Facebook. And I like talked about my background, but not in a sense to like fluff myself up. It was in a sense where like, I'm at this point in my life where like, I want to go from where I'm, where I'm, where I'm stemming off of like my baseline. Right. And I like, I hope to, uh, go to a shop that like sees my baseline and works from with what I have right. versus like ground zero where they th- like, they're going to put me through all of these, like, cause there were some shops that like, or some experiences I was reading online where they're like, some people didn't even touch fake skin until after a whole year or something like that. Fake skin. Yeah. And I was like, wait, what? That was baffling to me. And I was just like, Oh my God, I just hope I don't have that experience because I've already touched like fake skin at least. That's yeah. how I've been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm I mean, to- as you said, I mean, as we started out with this, I was like, it depends on the the shop that you're at and what, where they, I, I think if they're smart, they wouldn't do that to you because it's not to their benefit or yours to do that. Um, that's what I also really um, felt in, in teaching somebody now she had to go through a whole bunch of emotional roller coasters. And I, I think that I've kind of, I don't, I'm not even sure. I think I was right for her, but I think, I think I freaked her out. Um, but I, I don't, I feel like it's about a business. It's about making money ultimately. And whatever you become after you're able to make a certain amount of money is really the testament of, who you are and how you're going to run your life and stuff. But in the beginning, um, you're counting on somebody to, to elevate you as quickly as possible and to show you the ropes and all of that. So for me, when I was teaching my apprentice, I think she felt like she needed to suffer. I think there was other people in the shop that, that, um, didn't appreciate her attitude all the time, which, which I did a lot more because we came from similar backgrounds. Like you said, like the animation thing, like putting that out there, meeting people who have also been through that kind of world really helps kind of, you know, them understand where you're at and where to meet you. So I didn't take a lot of what, 
what she said or did personally, just because I came from that background. I understood, you know, we went to the same high school together, different timelines. We went to the same uh, college together, different timelines. And she actually graduated. I didn't. And she actually had a master's. I didn't. Um, So I understood all of those things. And then her job itself that she was coming from, I was like, you're already a professional in your own right. You already know how to operate, uh, you know, around, you know, you know about work ethic, you know about, you know, setting standards for yourself, you know about improvement, you, you know, all of these things. Like, I don't have to like, I don't have to hammer these points. What I do want to do is put you in alignment with you being an artist and you being able to make your own rules on things. And really, like you said, make the kind of money that you should be making for what you're, what you're putting in, because it is very special. It is very rare and you have spent a lot of money to get here. So, um, you know, you, you should be rewarded for those things. So for me in the beginning, it was all about getting her tattooing as soon as possible. And then the rest of it, we could, we could hammer away, you know, afterwards. And if she wanted to learn something afterwards, you know, she wanted to do coils. I don't know as much about coils as I would like to. So we could do that together if she wanted to do that. Like I figured, you know, we could take those journeys together as her interest kind of spread there. Um, But for me, it was more so like getting her a tattoo machine that was going to give her an overall success, you know, getting her tattooing, letting her figure it out because you don't, you don't, I mean, you know, you've done enough things that require the action. You have to do it in order to feel it. Like I'm, I'm that kind of learner. Most creatives are like, they have to get dirty. They have to like get themselves in it in order to get the experience because it's about making those, those reactionary adjustments as you're kind of tackling whatever project you're doing. And if you're not doing that, you can sit behind and, and observe it as long as you want to, but until you're feeling it, it's the same. Like, you know, you mentioning the lines of uh, a ballerina and things like that. It's so much different to observe that and have the respect from outside of it and be like, whoa, what mastery of your body. But then to feel what that pose feels like and to really know what that feels like and to know that that's what you're exerting in your body and and matching those two, the world's different, you know, like- you know, and then you really have the respect for it because then you, you, you know how to translate it. You know how to see it from multiple angles and really invoke those things. And then they, then they become second nature. And then, then you have to, if you're teaching somebody, then you have to like track it back and be like, wait a minute, how did I even learn how to do this? Um, (laughs) That's kind of also like, I think that's also another thing that I'm like appreciating about the tattoo realm, because um, I was talking to one of the shop owners and he was like, yeah, there's been talks about making tattooing like a school. You know, and he's like, but there's a lot of hesitancy on that because there's something very like special about the whole um, apprentice, uh, like mentor to a master sensei to apprentice kind of like connection and tradition where you pass down the knowledge onto your, you know, to the next generation. And I think there's something very beautiful about that and not only like important because. I think as an artist, I think it's always important to eventually also become the mentor instead of always just being the student. Mm-hmm. I struggle always being the student. Like yeah. I've been a student so long with everything, but I have so much capability 
in also teaching. Like even in mm-hmm. dance, I've also been desiring what, like just on the side to teach some classes or choreography yeah. um, for adults because that's where I started. I started as an adult, like a late adult. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm seeing like, I've even been asked with drawing too, um, like to teach like how, I don't not I guess like where to start with drawing because these people didn't mm-hmm. know how to draw at all. Um, or like how to translate it into uh, programs like Photoshop or Procreate and stuff. And uh, it's, I'm, I'm ch- I feel like this realm being independent, becoming an independent artist is going to also help me stop seeing myself as a student as well. I know we're always like a student for life, mm-hmm. but I kind of want to start stepping into the zone where I know who I am as an artist and if someone were to ever want to learn from me, I can like, uh, I guess, connect with them and pass down my legacy onto someone else. And I have been thinking about this a lot lately too, because I don't have any children. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just, because of everything that's going on in the world, I've been thinking about like generational, like, you know, curses and all that and how we've manifested today from like all, it's like a clusterfuck of all past generational trauma we're like a manifestation of that. So I'm like, oh, I started thinking more in a sense of, wow, this is why, like, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's so important to put feed people through schools and programs like this because they're trying to, like, basically, like, morph our children, you know, into something that they, that, into a product in the long run. And I was like, how do I truly want to change the world? Cause that's obviously like a big purpose of mine. I feel like any person like that's like their fundamental purpose is they want to change the world somehow or have an impact. And I want to make marks. I want to make exactly. marks. Exactly. I don't know yeah. if I necessarily want to change it, but I want you the are world making to know. marks in the world. <laughs> I want, yeah, <laughs> Literally. I want, exactly. I, I want, I want people to know I was here. That's my goal. Exactly. It's very Which, selfish, but I, I do. It's I, not I do. though. Like, I, do. A, I don't think it's selfish <laughs> at all. I yeah. think it's beautiful in a sense where like, I mean, unless you want to like leave a very, um, I don't know, superficial mark in the world where like you were a celebrity that like was just known for, I don't know, like the celebrities today, they were like the top twerkers, you know, of Hollywood <laughs> or something like that, you know, and then that's all you can remember them for then great. Hey, they had their thing. They had they their, had thing. their I'm thing. I'm really not good at twerking. I'm just lucky I have a big ass and there's just momentum. <laughs> Like, they they got me on the twerking. I got this for you. That's cool. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, but, but, you know, so, I think that people want to... I think that the changing the world comes from a place of uh, feeling it's imperfect. And I don't think it's imperfect. I think it's beautifully perfect. I think it's our want to want to change it that that is the issue, honestly. I think for me, it's more about embracing it and knowing that I got to play in this space and that I, I owned being here. And I, and I think you're on that path too, because you're pursuing your happiness. You're pursuing your joy. You're not content with just being here. Like your parents said, do you grow up and you just, this is it. Like, like, no. I'm pursuing the (laughs) inner child that that we all left behind. Yeah. Like where we're playing. 
Yes. You know, yes. like, and that's what an artist is all about is yeah. like finding that inner playtime and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's a struggle every single time I like do any like piece of art for myself and I'm like hating what I'm drawing. I'm like, Oh my God, why am I hating what I'm drawing? It's because I have all of these like programs that I've learned growing up, you know, mm-hmm. uh, as to what's wrong with the picture rather than like, man, remember when I was a child and I just picked up a crayon and I just liked to color and just draw with it. I didn't care what it looked like. It was just fun. Yeah. So I actually love doing acrylic painting on this, like oh, palette awesome. knife painting, yeah, abstract yeah, yeah. painting, because it lets me out of that whole like formulaic, mm-hmm. like technical mindset. And I can just play. I can just like be like, this is messy, but it's supposed to be. And it's fun. Well, you if know? you ever do something like that, I would be interested in paying you to just do a class like where you just like, you know, like kind of talk as you do these things. And we all like do an abstract painting together because I've always yeah. wanted to explore that more. I do it a little bit like I try to get but I always I'm always gravitating to representational art for some reason. Everything's got to have a face or some fucking thing in it. And I don't know why I really admire abstract art, but I don't let go completely of like the world as expressed here and now and like those kind of things, but it is very freeing when you do. Oh um, yeah. It's very, very cool. It's do very, you ever very ask cool. yourself how you would like connect to children today, like young children with your craft, like say like a young child wanted to learn like tattooing and you were like to get them started. Do you ever like think about it? Like the tattooing? No. Um, mostly because, I know there's I know there's like legalities involved and like also like ear piercing skin and there's like safety measures and stuff but like like I guess in general like art like do you ever think about like what the art yes um mostly because um I'm really good at at playing um I, I I think I would do it the same way that I would do an adult because most adults they um have a defeatist attitude about it um the thing with kids that I've found is that you have to, um, you have to have the right kid. Like if, if a kid is not invested in it, they're, they're only going to stay present in making art for so long. And that's the thing is that both you and I, I think really found a piece within doing art that sustained us for many, many hours But like for my niece, for example, she always wants to do art, but her art lasts for like 10 seconds. Like it's like she blows through like a whole thing of paper and like in like no time and it's just scribble. And then she's like handing it to me and she's like, now you do art. And and then she just wants to watch me do art. Like she's not she's not into she doesn't like connect with it on that level. I think that first of all, you need somebody who's who's invested in that with a kid. Um, and then I think it's a lot of just like making them feel like they're, what they're doing is good. You know, like, oh, look at that. I love how you did that and that, and then telling them why you like it and just kind of teaching them why that move was so awesome, you know, but that's more than anything with adults. It's, it's more about like showing them that they, they can participate in being an artist without having to be an artist and and kind of challenging yes. what they think is art because a lot of them it's like you said they they want that realism right away i'm like dude i can't teach you how to do realistic <laughs> art in an afternoon like so you're gonna have With to ca- man, right i <laughs> have to cache that uh, yeah <laughs> 
with my man, I always tell him whenever I paint, I want him to paint with me and I always drag him to paint with me. And then he yeah. always like, he, we go into, into a back and forth cause he like, doesn't like it and everything. And he's like, I'm not an artist. And I'm like, you don't have to be to paint, just no. literally play with the paint. And mm-hmm. that's it. Like you don't have to do anything like perfect. Mm-hmm. You don't even need to expect a specific outcome. Just do it. It's just the, like yeah. the act of doing it. That's supposed to like invoke joy and it's very Shit. interesting too. I feel like everybody should do art just to like face their their inner like problems because it like you they get all of these blocks that arise with them when they have the canvas and it's just like wow this is a great way to like you know see where people stand. Some exciting news, diary listeners. We actually got a wonderful promotional code from Reinventing the Tattoo recently, and we're happy to share this with you. It's 10% off on a subscription to Reinventing the Tattoo. And if you don't know about this wonderful, wonderful service, it's continuing education for working professionals, very geared around tattooers. But I would venture to say that if you are looking to improve your art skills and have regular momentum to your creativity, Creativity and to your own professional education, I can't recommend it enough. One of the prime people that you will be critiqued by and helped with and draw with and all of that good stuff is Guy Atchison. And if you don't know about him, you probably should. He is a very, very pivotal person in our industry. I joined them for, for one exercise. I, I did a color study. I mean, Rico sat there and, and watched me the other night do mm-hmm. a, a color study exercise with Guy and company, and it was amazing. I was flexing all kinds of muscles. It's just all around if you want to improve your art skills. I can't see a better way than hanging out with a lot of professional artists and seeing the kind of work that they do and the kind of exercises they work on all the time. It's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries. So again, that's www.reinventingthetattoo.com backslash The Apprenticeship Diaries, and that's going to save you 10% on your subscription. Go check it out, folks. It's funny that you said that through um, physical expression, you were able to find your anger. The reverse is the same for men. Doing art for men is kind of dipping into a feminine aspect that is less, less approved by society. So for them to sit and kind of be in this kind of delicate space, it feels very uncomfortable. And and the way that I usually like confront that is like, dude, because a lot of them, like, I feel like they're like, they don't want to, they don't want to mess up. There is that, like, I don't even want to like touch this canvas that I might like mar, you know, I'm like, dude, we can fucking go outside and burn this bitch afterwards. Like, and that'll be art too. Like whatever yeah. it's all art. Like, like yeah. if, if you want to, you know, burn an effigy, whatever the hell, you know, cause that's it. That's an expression. And then we can hang that shit. Whatever remnants is left after we set a bitch on fire, we can put it on the wall, like whatever we want <laughs> or go to shooting range and shoot right. your freaking art. Exactly. Yeah. Like um, my boyfriend would be down for that. So like, that's the thing. And, and it's funny because he does a lot of shapes within shapes. So he would just have all these random targets. <laughs> See, there you go. Yeah. So that's the thing is that like kind of getting people out outside of their concept of what is art, I think is the thing with, with adults, with kids, for me, it's more so kind of showing them like t- 
teaching them the language of it, teaching them, you know, why blue next to orange is really evocative and why that really is nice. And when you like to see that, or when they use like very bold colors and things like that, like just kind of pulling out and giving validation for all the things that you see in them. I think that's really it, like pulling out all of those, those good things, and then just setting that up, turning it up. Um, that's with kids, but you have to have a kid that's romanced by it because otherwise you're creating a complex. Then it's like, it's forcing something on somebody who's like, (sighs) you know, like they don't, I don't want to do this. And then they'll never identify with being an artist. Like they'll, they'll just resist it. They're like, I don't want to do that. That's dumb. And that's like exactly (laughs) what they do with the whole like doctor, like lawyer thing. It's the same thing that like, that's why, uh, I always like, you know, I hear all these stories in the middle, especially out here, like, you know, uh, or even just especially in the United States, we, you get a lot of horror stories with like doctors that just don't give a shit about their patients. Mm -hmm. And I always like tell people, uh, even after seeing my sister go through the, the programs and everything that she did, uh, I always say like, it's because you get all of these kids that like, their parents were like, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer to make it in life. And if you don't, like, you're going to suffer and you're going to fail and you're going to be poor. And all these kids are just like, I don't want to freaking do this. I don't want to be here. And you just get all these like weird personalities in the medical fields. That's very hazardous to any patient. Well, not and- only that, but they bereft them of, of nutrition. Like I hear about the kind of rigorous work that they need to do and the lack of sleep, the, 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 the trial by fire that they put these people through who are already not connected. If you're not giving people their basic needs, I mean, the kind of shifts that I know people that are in the medical profession actually have, it's like, dude, you're, you're running on empty. How are you going to give anything to anyone when you're overtaxed to such a degree? I know your heart wants to, but your body physically is not going to be able to keep up with this. And if they're not, you know, giving, and I get it, you know, they need bodies, they need people in there to like help the situation and manage it. But like, if you're not going to create a space where there's enough people and there's enough attention and there's enough rest and replenishment capable of these people, then you can't expect them to give a shit about who they're actually working on. There's no, they, they got nothing. Their, their basic needs are not being met. If they can't yeah. eat, if they can't sleep, if they can't do the things that, that make them feel renewed, there's no way they can give that to someone else. So yeah. I, I see that a lot too, when it comes down to uh, the medical field is that like, I, I listen to some of my like friends that have gone through it and I'm like, dude, that's, that's that's a lot. Like, how are, how are you even functional? Like it makes zero sense, uh, in the, like, if we think about it, uh, when it comes to doctors, cause if anything, yeah, they should have, uh, of all people be the most nourished and supported, uh, type mm-hmm. of practice, yeah. uh, because of what they're like, what they're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and it's interesting too, like I'm, I've observed this in the animation world too. Like, the shows that I started when I started tuning into energies, um, like collective energies, I started seeing patterns with certain shows. So like the one, the one show that like kind of was the most traumatizing for me, like just, uh, as an employee and like as an artist, um, uh, when I observed all the energies on that show, 
and where a lot of those people went to after that show, I tried to avoid those um, going to the same shows uh, as those people. Mm-hmm. And um, I started working on myself more and I noticed the shows that they would jump onto, or even that one specific show had so like, I heard so much crap coming mm-hmm. from that show, like drama or like they were, suffering um with like you know uh the the legal team where they were overworking their artists or something like that Mm -hmm. um there was one show that i completely dodged a bullet from that got completely canceled because of the me too movement oh wow Uh, yeah it was um louis ck remember when he got me Uh too yeah. Um, he was having uh animation, he was working with a an animated TV show, like and it was like his show, and his show got canceled before he even got released. He's one of the ones that I feel I mean, you know, I think he's he's taking his hits and and you know, working with them, but I I feel empathy for Louis. You and I I know are on the same page as far as like cancel culture. I don't agree with cancel. No, me Uh, neither. And I also think that out of all the Me Too people, at least he asked permission first. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, at least they did this. And I feel like those people get like canceled the hardest. I'm like, this makes no sense. It doesn't. I don't get it. I, I, I don't know what I would do, but I, I probably, I don't know. I've, I've been through so many things that I, I now kind of look back and I guess I was traumatized I guess I was abused or I guess somebody used me in that situation but the way I always see it is is like that means more about them than it does about me and I also feel like this is what I've always thought the art is the thing like you know like I'm not gonna I'm not going to reject the, the art, the one resounding thing, say Michael Jackson, for example, that was the thing that all of us like love that, that you can't take away from how good that music was. And yeah, there was a lot of bullshit behind the scenes of that, but like that art, I don't know. Like that is the thing. I don't even that, know if it's true. If all the bullshit was even well, true, that I, I nowadays I'm questioning it. Well, there's lots of culpable people, right? Like, yeah, that's that's the problem with all of it is that I think that cancel culture is not accepting that infinite mirror that we all have to have in front of ourselves. Like, where what where were you implicit in in all of that? Where where did you, you know? let certain boundaries slide within things because, you know, I don't, I don't have kids, but if I, you know, had them, the fuck if I'd let them go and just hang out with some person all day that like acts like Michael Jackson, I wouldn't do it. You know, like, I'm like, sorry, dude, but like, you, <laughs> if you're, you're going to hang around my kid, I'm going to be there. First of all, like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be watching like what the hell happens. Like, all that stuff. But like, there also is a thing too of that. What people don't understand with the most artists is that we go places that not anyone else is willing to go. You know, like we're, we, we touch on things mentally, emotionally, and sometimes in real life that not a lot of people are willing to see or even put themselves in alignment with. And that's what kind of 
is what we're able to bring this awesome art to, to the world with. Otherwise it wouldn't be good art. It would be live, laugh, love, you know, and, and elevator music, you know, whatever kitschy bullshit that you see everywhere, you know, (laughs) it wouldn't be evocative. It wouldn't be special. It wouldn't be groundbreaking if we weren't willing to push past what most people are willing to do now. Yeah. Should it, should it be awful and abusive and all that stuff? No, but, but there, there also shouldn't be like this, like there shouldn't be this copability between um, our worlds. Like there does need to be boundaries, you know, that are kind of like, we we're, we're told no every once in a while, like, Oh, that's a little too far. Like, and then I'll, I'll like, if it happens to me, I'll be like, Oh shit. You know, I was just kind of going through it in my head. Like I wasn't really going to do anything with it. I was thinking about making a painting or something like that. Like I'm not, I'm not going to do that to an actual person. Like it's a, it's a play. Like I'm running a play in my mind about things, whether it comes out in reality, that's, that's probably never going to happen. Like, it's just kind of like going places in my mind that are, that are different and unique and a little beyond the average. Um, But the allowance with any kind of abuse or any kind of thing like that, it, it comes down to the allowance. It comes down to, are you allowing this person to escalate? And within fame and society and all of that stuff is that, you're thinking that just because this person's famous or they have a bunch of money that they have everything and they don't, they're wounded. They, and, and you're, you're positioning them in a place where they don't have to account for very much at all because they have this art that you just want more and more and more of, and you're treating them like a product. So what do you think you're going to get out of that? You know, so I have, I have compassion for it, even if it goes to really dark places, because I can see where that could happen. Because if you don't, if you don't, you know, kind of corral that kind of artistic brain and kind of set certain standards for it, it will go off the rails because we, mm. we go places that other people are not willing to go. And yeah. that's why we're able to pull out some really awesome art. And, and, you know, I, I have wars like this with my mom because she, you know, she's become very religious in her later life. She was really mad because China had their, their most recent, um, I think it was a year ago or two years ago. I think it was 2020 there. It was just a, it was not a good time, but they did this whole demonic runway show in like the, the international, um, fashion show. And it was, everybody was in pleather. They had baby dolls that were like covered in blood and, and they were actual babies, but it was like, it was all this, like, like very, very demonic symbolism. Yes. And my mom, my mom was like, look, they're demons like these people. And I was like, whoa, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like listen, they're carrying baby dolls. They're, yeah. they're they're we're talking about models. We're we're talking about models that I'm like impressed they can even walk in those heels and wear that kind of shit and actually make it down a runway, you know, like without falling flat on their face. Like, can you at least appreciate the fact that this is one making you mad, which is yeah. super specific because it's doing what it's meant to do. It's supposed to be creating a hellscape. And you as a, you know, affected a Christian that like believes in this stuff is getting really mad, which makes it really fucking good art. I'm like, so, and what you're looking at is models wearing clothes 
enacting a scene with certain with certain music and certain drama with with baby dolls that are not actual babies you know like they're exploring a concept that is pissing you the fuck off that's good art like i for me i can't remove that that's a that's a language that i will always have with artists that that i know separates me from a lot of normal facets of life and normal thinking is because I'll, I'm willing to go places that other people aren't willing to go mentally. They just, they shut the door there because they're like, Oh, that's demonic. Like that's the devil. No. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not that closed about it. Um, and I, you know, it, it does take corralling, um, to a certain extent, but you know, I, I think that, like you said earlier, if you tell me what you think I am, I'm probably going to go so far away from that before I realize that myself, just because it's going to be this automatic fuck you, you know, like you don't get to tell me what I am and what my boundaries are. I'm going to find those for myself. So it's almost best with a lot of artists to let us kind of wander and find our own way. You do got to check us because that's what gets us back on, you know, so that we're not like becoming psychopaths or sociopaths but yeah you know like I guess I'll check like I guess nurture um and support because I guess the checking too to some degree can like also um like the concept of shame and everything can also just be just Mm -hmm. as damaging to any artist you know like I understand like what these people when they do do things that are not okay and definitely not okay like as far as like rape sexual assault and everything it's not okay um, there's also like a balance of like, all right, but like, you also need to nurture areas of their life where they are doing well. Like I noticed this society and kind of what I like went through in animation uh, for a brief period. Like we do this kind of negative reinforcement thing. Mm-hmm. Um, since actually in 2020, this was happening to me a lot, like where I would post online on, especially Facebook, Facebook is such a freaking hole. Uh, <laughs> Like, it's like a, there's, you're like talking to the wall Mm -hmm. on Facebook until you post something controversial. Mm -hmm. And then you all of a sudden see all of your 200 friends that you realize that you, you know, you have start popping up on your page and they're all of a sudden like arguing with you and like treating you like crap. And you're like, dude, where were you when I posted that one really cool thing or that one happy thing, you know, or that one thing that happened in my life? Like, how come you didn't comment on that? You know, so we did this thing where like we negative reinforce people. We're like, we only give them attention when they're doing something wrong. But then like, we don't, we're not elevating people like for just being them or doing something good. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that happened to me on some shows too. Like I would work my freaking butt off. And then uh, the one time I'm late or something to work one day, like, oh my God, the whole like hell is raining down on me and everything. And I'm like, what the hell? And yeah. I noticed like all my peers around me consistently do, did that behavior, but they never got flack for it yeah. and everything. And I was just like, wait, why this is so backwards to me? This mm-hmm. makes no sense. Why am I the only person that's always getting called out for this stuff? And then like, they're not even noticing half the time when I'm doing like, overtime work like what the hell so it's I guess it's like a balance because shame is is also very precarious uh and I felt like since 2020 like my social interactions have changed dramatically because I noticed I kept getting that from people in my life Mm -hmm. they only like had something to say to me when they were like super upset at me 
And mm-hmm. I was like, what the heck? Like, and then they would also have all these assumptions and judgments uh, about me as a person. And I'm like, you don't know what I'm doing in my daily life clearly. So yeah. what makes you think that you can say this about me? And, right. you know, um, so well, power too. I do think that there's, um, you know, like if, if you've had, like you said, we're all kind of ch- children. If you felt like there was a lack of power or agency mm-hmm. in your ability to you, you become this almost t- tyrannical person in a lot of ways. Um, just about how you do things. Uh, I have to watch it with myself, you know, cause I think, I think I've said this with you, like there's no removing of ego when you're an artist, there's only the balancing of it. There's yeah. only the, the checking. You can't remove ego in general. Like it's no, but you can try if you're able to be a monk, you know, and, 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 you know, but you, that has its own weird realm yeah. because you get, you get to the point where you disidentify with being what is human, mm-hmm. you know, like when that I've, that's in my spiritual journey, I've been learning. This is the, this, the part where I'm at now with my spiritual journey, mm-hmm. because there's times where I, um, I know what it is to be in alignment and, you know, looking at the world through the lens, like, like it's, everything is a mirror. So like when I have something coming at me and everything, I'm like, Sabrina, this is a mirror of you. Like, what is it representing within you? Where's the triggers coming from within you and everything. So like, especially during these political times, I've been trying to like, not hate people. I'm like, they're coming from a well-intentional place, you know, like love, everybody and everything (laughs) yeah or pain pure pain and suffering like that's not even theirs it's like you know no it's none of theirs and we're all holding on to shit and I was like consistently trying to be this person but in the process I was also allowing myself to be like bullied Mm -hmm. and like totally like letting my boundaries down and bolt like letting people just like rip me apart and then in the process I would beat myself up inside and be like Sabrina you need to love and forgive you know and then there was another aspect of me that was like Sabrina what the fuck like you're like no don't hurt yourself like this you don't need to tolerate this or like put yourself in a position for people to hate you just so like you can make a point or like to help like spread love in the world like right that's not because that's a that that's that's uh you're then again putting yourself back into the whole people pleasing thing where you're doing what you're supposed to grow out of and everything and I'm like Jesus Christ so it's just like complicated like it is very balance. complicated very complicated and I have a like I don't know have you heard of Teal Swan yeah 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 um, so I found like, her recently my friend was like you got to watch out for her she's been called up on fraud and I was like God damn it dude like you know here's the thing. I'm not, (laughs) my biggest thing with most people is them trying to parent me, you know? So I told my friend, I said, listen, I know that I've gone down a lot of wacky routes and I know that you've had to see me do a lot of crazy shit, but please understand that I am, I am not a per anyone's lap dog. Okay. Like I haven't given this person any of my money yet. I'm just, I really like what some of the shit she has to say. I think she's got a lot of great insights on things and I've really enjoyed listening to her. And I, I, you know, it's not all gospel. I don't take anybody that way. No, (laughs) that's purely why I like, I enjoy her. Like a lot of people just judge her for her and her story and everything. And then they like, there's always, um, 
like with the mainstream media, they're always taking like really smart, like people who actually think outside the box and they're always labeling them as cultists or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've been learning that with the spiritual community because they like any big figure in this like uh, spiritual community, they always tear them down saying, oh, they're cult leaders or they're religious leaders. No, like, just listen to them. Like, just listen, you know? And that's what she also says too many times. She's like, I just wish people would listen to my content. For mm-hmm. what it is like and yeah. stop worrying about me but what i love about her the most <laughs> is what i why i keep like going back to her is because she doesn't like the spiritual field uh like as much as people like you know go like 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 you said you know people take it as gospel and everything there's shadows with the spiritual community as well like people always say like uh it's kind of another route of escapism Mm-hmm. where people think that if you read, you know, um, a self-help book or whatever, that everything will be fine. Or the spiritual community, like if you just love, love and peace all the time, you'll be fine and you'll attract the best things in life and everything. She hates that. And she's like, I hate when I see like spiritual leaders go and like stand up behind a microphone and talk to a group of people. And then they go home and they like go to these, like home to their lives where they're like either abusing their their wives or something like that or they're like living in like not alignment and everything but they're teaching like all like how to just suppress she always says suppress deny and disown all of your negative emotions Mm -hmm. and everything and you must be happy and positive all the time so she's like what's different why i'm such a problem in the spiritual community she says is because she owns like all of her negative emotions that's what i liked about her was the deep sense of accountability and what she was asking of other people to have was accountability full accountability which is yeah which is the point opposite of victimhood yes exactly Exactly. taking control of your life and um which is why i like to practice like looking through life through the lens of like a mirror and everything but I do have to have that balance uh where I can't like also beat myself up if I am human if I am angry and I like you know I'm feeling hatred for this person in this moment and I want to protect myself and everything like I can it's still okay to feel that I just read a book too and I like saved the page because they go into this like the difference between a preference an opinion and discernment and they were saying, oh, and a judgment. They're saying like, it's not okay to judge people because then you remove the value value that they have to this world. It's okay to have a preference though, mm-hmm. like where you just prefer not to be around this person because of how they make you feel. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're making them be any less of a person that right. they are to this world. It just means that you prefer to have different emotions uh, or take care of certain emotions with how you feel around these people. And, um, they bring up discernment, like that's what discernment is. And that's how you keep yourself safe, you know, because we're also not to, what was it? Unconditional love is not unconditional tolerance. I also saw yes. that the other day and I was like, yes. think, cause I've been having a lot of toxic people in my life, uh, specifically family, especially at the moment, it's always family. Um, <laughs> but I've been trying to like teach myself, uh, to not have to like force tolerance on myself just because I think it's a spiritual thing and holistic thing to do. I'm like, no, I need to also take care of myself. So I guess that like stems that all kind of circles back to like your environment, like make sure the environment as an artist um, is always nurturing. You know, you don't have to always uh, tolerate toxic people just because you want to be the good person. 
you know, like take care of yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I understand that completely. I have to keep, I have to keep those boundaries, my family, um, often just because there's only so much of their energy I can absorb, but the beauty about being an adult is that I can dictate it. And, um, a recommendation I always give to people is like, uh, there's a lot of karma within your family. Um, there's a lot of, I think things that we chose before we actually entered the world as their, as their kid or their whatever family member we are and reason why we're there. So to pay attention with it, because you might be, you might be tasked with something that, that will matter later and really give you something. And, you know, most of them are older than me. So I look at them as, um, opportunities for me to, to really learn from their experience and kind of absorb it as much as I can and, and go forward with my life and take advantage of that perspective as best I can. And kind of, again, remove myself from transmute it. Yeah. And that way I know that when they die, I'm not going to have any regrets about it because I, there is a certain amount of exposure that I want um, to have. Now, uh, for example, with the family that won't see me because they're scared of COVID right now, um, I just, I, I don't, I don't go around them because I know that my presence around them will push their boundaries way too much. Um, and so I'm, I'm respectful of their fear and what they, what they want for themselves, but um, I'm, I'm not going to buy into any of the stuff that they want me to do in order to. I've been to, the same way yeah. recently. Yeah. I'm like, I'm <laughs> removing myself from uh, like yeah. anxious communities because yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to impose anxiety on them. Yeah. You know? Well, and I, I know I will. And that was honestly the issue with my, my apprentice and me was that. I caused massive anxiety in her because I, I just, first of all, I couldn't give her most of the answers that she wanted. I was like, dude, this, this, you got to do to understand. I'm sorry, but like the, the, the time will tell and just, just gritting through it. That's what you got to do. I'm sorry that I'm, I'm not answering any of your questions. I wish the answers had been there for me. They weren't, I hacked this and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just here as like a cheerleader letting you know that you're doing fine. But like all the shit that you're going through, you're doing it to yourself. Like that's what's happening. I'm not doing it to you. You're you're seeing it this way and you're beating yourself up. I have no cure for that. That's honestly like that's a whole other profession that you need to seek out. Because I've had to get a lot of therapy myself for my own shit. And I was like, I think it's a great thing. And I was like, I love therapy. Oh, I do too. And every, every form, you know, every form. And I think it's great that you're doing so much with your physicality, with the holistics and all that, because this is a time for that right now, because so many people that we are in that kind of space right now, we're the energy that's around right now is, is vibrating at this very, very like intense level. It's really hard to turn off. There's so much anxiety that I feel about unknowns. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm just like, I I just renew myself, my faith, like you're a spiritual body. This is temporary. You've, you've got to just, you've got to just do what you were put here to do. Yeah. And and um, present. Yeah. And, and, and celebrate each moment, you know, for what it is, but I see all of that. And I think you're going to be an amazing force in the tattoo community. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to love it. 
I really, really, really do. All right, diary listeners, that wraps up part two. Be sure to come back next week uh, for our conclusion and for the final stage of our Phoenix journey with Sabrina Mati. Thanks for listening. You can find the Apprenticeship Diaries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our IG is the underscore apprenticeship underscore diaries. If you would like to offer constructive criticism or an interview, drop us an email at theapprenticeshipdiaries at gmail.com. We We look look forward forward to hearing from from our listeners. listeners.